and welcome to episode 9 of Ashes of the Imperium, a 40k podcast from sunny England. My name is Dan, and I will be your host for this evening. And with me, as always, are Ben and Steve. Hello, Ben, and hello, Steve. Hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Steve. Hello, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> so, in episode 9, we're going to be smashing through part 2 of our Admech codex review this time concentrating on some of the uh some of the things that you match play players will be very very excited about and that is rules 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 and glorious rules we've got so much to talk about because there's canticles there's warlord trades there's a hell like an absolute plethora of stratagems uh which uh, we'll be talking about later but first of all i will have to ask steve after your enthusiasm uh last week have you bought any admit models for your imperial soup yet have you got those delicious Sicarian croutons? Croutons? I, I, croutons. <laughs> I, I, I put them in the inbox, and then I <laughs> thought they'd gone away. But the very clever website people at Games Workshop have sent me an email saying, don't forget you can still order these. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I will. I, I think the one thing at the moment is uh, they probably need a leader to go with them. And who's that going to be? It, it wouldn't be Dominus. That's that's he's too high ranking. So is it going to be? I don't know. One of the data smiths, maybe. That kind of makes sense. No, you could um, have an assassin. Yeah, on a secret assassin. stealth mission with an assassin, and it's another Ooh. another ingredient in your soup. Oh, I was yeah. just about to say. I was just about to say assassins aren't admec, but wait a minute. You could have a kill bot. You could have like an assassin mech. Yes. You could convert up a an ad mech assassin bot and run it as one of the assassins. In fact, you could convert four and run it as one each. Basically, Joe Pineapples from ABC Warriors. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but yes. <laughs> I'm showing my age. <laughs> from 2000 AD. Probably ah, right. The... Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Probably late 80s. Uh, I don't want to know when you're <laughs> quiet. Probably. Yeah, the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he 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 was an assassin that was basically a robot dude who basically didn't say anything but just was a hell of a shot. So, so yeah, so no, they, they will come. They will come. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I, th- I think for me, it's going to be as much as a hobby project as anything. But most of my games are narrative led, so I think the nice thing will be is I'll have this lineup of models where we can say we're going to play thirty power level or we're going to use some skirmish rules and it's literally going to be last hold out these guys and I, and I think for me that's how I like to play um, and what about yourself Ben have you uh, splurging on admet goodies no don't be silly I love to talk a good talk but yeah <laughs> I am um, I am on the fence with everything until blood and glory is done and dusted um, I'm not even literally my painting table is just uh, it's just mounted to stuff there's all the Shadespire warbands. There's um, a load of Legion of Asgore. There's a whole new super secret AOS project. There's still got Primaris Marines unpainted. Um, nothing's getting done until this tournament's done. And then I'll be um, sorting a new army out over Christmas, I think, ready for the new year. For 40k? For both. Oh, cool. Well, I'll be doing some Shadespire stuff as well. So multilingual. Excellent. Speaking of multilingual, I'm learning <laughs> Swedish as well as an aside, <laughs> just because I haven't got enough on. 
Yeah, sounds like you've got loads of free time. So, <laughs> yeah, I need to ask why Swedish. Yeah, my brother lives in Sweden. I'm going to be an uncle in uh, I don't know when's this going out. Maybe by the time? No, maybe not. Um, yeah, probably, maybe uncle soon. <laughs> Very exciting. Wow, Very exciting. tired. <laughs> Well, let's, just uh, saying let's words now <laughs> all words maybe you should be speaking in binary instead just ones and zeros so uh we'll, i was we'll, dan but through the wonders we would, we of technology it gets translated exactly so um i think what we'll do is we'll just go briefly into the canticles and how they work and then rattle through them because uh, they haven't changed much uh, if at all from the uh, the index version however for those of you who don't know, uh, Canticles of the Omnissiah, um, essentially, there's a, a D6 chart, and you can either pick one from... Uh, it's done at the start of the battle round. You either pick one, but you can't pick the same twice, or you can roll a D6, but if you get the same one because it's random, you can still have it. You only get it if you're a Battleforged army. These are described as the principles of the Omnissiah and the incant complex war blessings. In, in as much optimization subroutines are the expression of the faith of the god machine. These are kind of machine prayers. Is, is yeah, that yeah, they're, they're basically machine prayers. Yeah. So, so for me, where does that blend come between? You know, their subroutines, their chosen kind of programs that are being run by the army. So, for me, this whole idea of them being random even though you might say as a narrative player I should be rolling rather than picking. But for me, it kind of feels like they should be picked. What do you guys think? Uh, what you mean, it's sort of not very machine-like to randomise them. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think that because they, a lot of the admix stuff, in fact, the majority of the admix stuff, with the exception of the cybernetica st- uh, stuff, it's all, there's still a human element to it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So and humans and obviously obviously make mistakes. So uh, you know you might be a skitari, you know sergeant equivalent, and you might say, right, you know, I think we need to invocate mach- uh, the machine might to get plus one strength and, and shoot infantry because you might see the infantry through the targeter and think they're uh, you know they're a heavy infantry, um, whereas actually they might not be. Or so, I don't know, you know, make make up yeah. whatever reason you want, Steve. You're the narrative player. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, no, okay. I think for me, that's that's something I hadn't included is the is the is the human element, and then and like I said, there are very few of the the units in the army that are just pure um, machines that have have no human element sewn, stitched, nailed in somewhere along the line. So, Dan, just go back to what these are and how they use. So, I've got the index book in front of me. And you've mm-hmm. got the um, the um, codex. I was going to say a bad word then. Um, battle tome. Um, so is it is it the same? So all units. So at the start of each battle round, you pick which one. You cannot be picked twice during the same battle, or you can yeah. randomly determine. So you're doing exactly. this each round. So and this applies to all units that have the Canticles rule. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. So if you've got ten units with this rule. Um, they all use the same effect for that round. Yeah. Roll once, apply to everyone. Okay. So you can choose. So there's some tactics in list building 
when you're going to yeah. want to use which canticle yeah. and things and we'll, like that. We'll talk about the dog, the dogmas later, which are a little bit. In fact, afterwards, we'll, we'll talk about those, which are a bit like chapter tactics, um, because Mars has a really, really cool way of manipulating these. So, uh, first of all, Belisarius Cool, who we spoke about previously, he can add one on minus one to the result. Yep, which is cool. But also, the Mars dogma allows you to roll two d six and oh, choose the best. Uh, no, choose. Uh, no, get get the benefit of both. Ah, oh, okay. It's so instead really of cool. choosing, you can go for the t- roll two d six. Okay, okay, cool. I like, I like. If if a duplicate is roll, uh, rolled, you don't. You know, if you get if you roll two threes, you don't get it twice or anything. You just get you just get it once. And I think that feels good. I mean, that's the Mars is the is the home of them. They are the, it's the core of their power. Um, where they're going to be the the truest. Clean this set of code before it's become corrupted wherever they've moved on or explored. So I think for them to have that power, I, I like it. It says, Glory to the Omnissiah. In all of the cult Mechanicus, there are no Forge worlds more holy or more blessed than Mars. The favor of the machine god can be seen in the powerful optimization granted by every static ridden psalm in- incanted by his most faithful, most faithful followers. That's what I tried to say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, be cool can add one and minus one. So you could theoretically roll two dice, and if you roll duplicate, you can just add one or minus one to one the one uh, that you one of the duplicates. So you don't get duplicates, and then you get them both. Yeah, nice, powerful, which is so, really cool. <laughs> what do you know about powerful, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the right time to use it. Did I use it? Yeah, right yeah. Time? All right. <laughs> what about Lucius? Are you uh, are you a fan of the Lucius dogma, Steve? Yeah. So I think for me, what I really start to see um, was how connecting stratagems, dogmas, and the, the models I was choosing for them really kind of absolutely went back to that original story right at the front of the book. And just brought them to life. Yes. So they get the solar blessing, um, which is obviously the fact that they've got a sun, a nuclear fusion reactor in the center of their planet. Lucis is known for its craftsmanship and its unique solar blessed ores. Those clad in such raiment consider themselves armored in the faith of the Messiah. So when making saving throws with this dogma, treat enemy attacks with a armor penetration characteristic of minus one. So having an armor penetration of zero instead. So anything with a minus one AP is ignored. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, when you've got, you know, some of the, the everyday guys that are at four armor, keeping at four armor rather than going down to five for a save is huge. It's huge and fits beautifully with them. So I, I love it. Bender, are there uh, any Forge Worlds that uh, that catch your eye specifically? I know you're a big fan of, you know, efficiencies and uh, <laughs> picking the most powerful. No, so one thing I would say is that the one you just talked about, particularly reading the uh, the backstory and the fluff for it, um, we're not supposed to say fluff, are we? You know, the solar yeah. blessing and it does it not invoke like feelings of Dune? You know, wrapped up in all the robes, the, the classes, the rifles. The sun beating down on them, they're getting the bonuses for fighting out in the sun and things like that. Um, I don't know if that's right, I don't know if I'm getting the right. No, no, no. I think you know, you look at the way the scheme is, it's all bleached and 
um, off greens and pale whites. You know, they they are very much uh, living in that world. And I, th- I think for me, yeah, I, I think you know, suddenly there's all the reasons to paint them the color that you're going to paint them, or you know, if you're going to have your robots, you know, I've always fancied having a crack at painting something where when you see the kind of American wrecks in junkyards out in the deserts of America, where literally the, the tops of the vehicles have been in the hot sun are like literally burnt. So the paint's been burnt. So for me, you know, we've got that whole story coming on and we've got the solar blessing and, you know, perhaps you know, if, if they had some paint on at some time, not only have they been scratched, but they've also been burnt from the heat of the fusion reactor in the center of the planet. So, you know, you, you're getting there to, to all of these kind of uh, real environmental reasons why it looks like it does, rather than I've just hit it with every weathering technique I can think of. And <laughs> why why doesn't it look real kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, well, going back to what Dan said um, on efficiencies and things like that, um, there's a couple I like. Riser, um, pro- probably because of the technical paint name of the same type. I like that one. Um, but you can reroll wound rolls of one in the fight phase. And last episode, we talked a bit about the, um, calling the name of the unit now, the ones you're going for, Steve. The Sicarian infiltrators. Infiltrators with the twin swords, um, mortal wounding on a six, roll of a ah, six no, wound. Sorry, those those were the Rust Stalkers. Yeah, uh, that's the, the one, Rust Stalkers. So Riser, Rust. Um, on the planet Riser and the Rust Stalkers, all ties in together go. quite nice. Um, re-roll wound rolls of one in the fight phase. So you're going in with those swords, you're looking for the six to wound on the mortal, and it's just giving you that extra bit of a um, six in the fight phase. Um, fails on one, you get to re-roll. I have another attempt at that six. Um, I quite like that. There's the Ben we know and love. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I, I, like, I like the idea of... Um, of a riser army just with loads of like combat guys so loads of Sicarians, both rust stalkers and infiltrators um you know some some cataphron breaches just stuff that you want to get into combat and start smashing things up yeah and then you can tie that in with your omnisaw table of chant of the remorseless fist so for the turn that you get in a big charge you can go for that one and um rolls of one fit re-roll failed hit rolls of one on that one um i know you can get that elsewhere in the um in the book, fairly easy, I think, that one. But, um, you know, there's another way to get it there as well. Yeah, I know we, we kind of rattled through the uh, the canticles and started talking about dogmas, but uh, I suppose we should probably uh, briefly talk about what the canticles are and what benefits they, they do. And that's... Um, uh, I'll just rattle through them very quickly now. So one is Incantation of the Iron Soul. You can re-roll failed morale tests. Um, two is Litany of the Electromancer. Uh, you can basically roll a d6 for any enemy unit that's within one inch of an effective uh, unit on a roll of a six. They suffer d3 mortal wounds, which I think is quite powerful, um, especially if you consider you know, this riser uh, dogma is going to be you know, encouraging you to get your guys into close combat. Imagine if you roll a two and all your guys are in combat, then I know it's a six. It's a one in six chance. It's not that Or much, choose. You can choose. Still. Or you could choose it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One in six chance. Well, I suppose if you've got six guys in combat, one of them one of them's taking D three mortal wounds, and every little helps, doesn't it, when it comes to the uh, the morale tests and uh, you know pipping a few more people, a few more dudes off in the morale phase is uh, is quite crucial, isn't it? Yeah, especially with the elite, you know, 
elite units, terminators, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, multi multi wound models definitely. Yeah. Chant of the remorseless fist, as Ben mentioned, you can reroll hit rolls of one. Fight phase, uh, shroud psalm. You can um, basically all your guys get a cover cover save bonus, so plus one to their armor save as they're shrouded with uh, this kind of spectral electromagnetic storm. Uh, but units in cover don't get another plus one. That's important to note. So you don't get plus two for being in cover. It's just basically guys out in the open are treated as if they're in cover. That's cool. Uh, Invocation of Machine Might that I mentioned, uh, plus one strength. And then the last one is Benediction of the Omnissiah. You can reroll failed hit rolls of one in in the shooting phase. So we had uh, hit rolls of one in the fight phase, and now we've got hit rolls of one in the shooting phase. So there's something for everyone there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think for me, if you were going to go, if you're going to be a picker like me, hmm. it does feel like that whole idea that you know we're going to use um, shrouds, shrouds, but <laughs> shroud psalm, shroud psalm, shroud shroud psalm. <laughs> we can use number four. Yay! To give us cover <laughs> on our way in. We then. Not close enough to charge, but we're going to do some shooting, so we'll re-roll ones, and then we finally get into a combat, and then we'll be able to use re-roll ones in the fight phase. So, yeah, there is that, you know, you are blessed all the way in, and I think that 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 fits, that that works for me, that's good. Yeah, and, and that ties in with what you were saying about, uh, you know, the efficiency of efficiency of a computer picking what's best at what, you know. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what? Do you know what, in turn four and five, if you're desperate to have... You know more combat buffs. Just roll it, yeah, you know, and, and hope hope to get the the one you want again. Uh, because if you can, if you roll it and get a duplicate, you can keep it. Yeah, and uh, and that's just that's just I like that. turnkey. Really, <laughs> really a lot. <laughs> in the exactly. panic of it, trying to get it get it get it downloaded. <laughs> I do like that from, could, from the cassette you, player. Everything's going awire. It's like abort, abort, abort. <laughs> Yeah, because ultimately they don't always see these as lines of code. They see them as lines of prayer. So I'd really like that sort of mashup. And, you know, it even comes down to, um, you know, the big robots. They have protocols. They have programs that they run, which means they do certain things in certain ways. So, yeah, now that, that blending of those two ideas is great. So um, just touching back on the dogmas, and I know we're, we're switching, flicking between one and the other now, um, but uh, Grier is quite a cool one. Because um, every time a model is slain or flees on a six, basically doesn't flee, or, wow. the, wo- or the wound that slew it uh, is ignored. Now, this isn't every time it loses a, loses a wound; it's every time it would die, so its last wound, or or if it flees off in the uh, morale uh, morale check. So that's pretty cool, but you can't fall back unless there is a character uh, on the battlefield. Okay, yeah, again, that could be huge. Just Following a couple of sixes that were going to flee, and they stand there and keep fighting. It's it's like a I don't know a watered down version of disgustingly resilient the Nurgle rule, which is on a five five up you ignore wounds. Just to be clear, who gets these dogmas? Everyone, every model um, in the army. So if your army's battle forged, each model um, in the army gets it. Yeah, yeah. But it wouldn't apply to allies or whatever they call it. No, oh no, no, no. Yeah, cool. It's like an allegiance ability. Yeah, yeah, very much like that. Like a like a space marine 
uh, chapter chapter. Sure. Which you which you know all about. Mm-hmm. Read that one. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, tell tell me about the Metallica, apart from the uh, the heavy metal band. Yes. So uh, relentless march. Those of Forge World Metallica seek nothing less than to completely obliterate their foes and to reorder the galaxy according to their own dictates. They will let nothing sway their appointed task. So, unit with this when a unit with this dogma advances, it can ignore the penalty for firing assault weapons and treats all rapid fire weapons it's armed with as assault weapons to the end of the turn. So, for example, a rapid fire one weapon is treated as an assault one weapon. So that's cool, isn't it? I like that. Yes. Yeah, I saw that and thought it was quite cool. Gives you some. This is one of them that I think it would really impact your list building. You know, you'd really go, right, well, this is a, a rule I can build an army around. Oh, yeah. Whereas rather than just having a passive buff of, oh, my, my dudes stay alive longer or my dudes are better at shooting, this is how do, how do I best build a whole list to take advantage of this dogma? And the, the, the loadout suddenly changes hugely. For something you'd say, well, there's no point taking that because I want to get these guys in. And suddenly it's like, well, I've got more load, more choices now. So yeah, it's good, very good. I think though the the sort of absolute star of this show is probably the Stygies Eight Shroud Protocols. Uh, when the armies of Stygies Eight march to war, they do so beneath stealth screen projectors and target befouling apparatus. Apparatus? Apparatus? I went a bit American there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that the tech priests of this Forge world deny owning such technology only reinforces their untrustworthy reputation. Very, very Alpha Legion esque. This rule. Um, which is uh, funny because they're also untrustworthy. So I've heard. Uh, your opponent must subtract one from their hit rolls when shooting at units with this dogma if they're more than 12 inches away. So exactly like the Alpha Legion one. And I know we haven't released our uh, our Chaos Space Marine chat that we did recently, Steve, for uh, for episode 10, um, where we t- touched on this. And you know, obviously I, I get very excited about anything to do with Alpha Legion, but I think this is probably even even stronger than the Alpha Legion one because... Chaos Space Marine Codex is full of things that are quite good at punching you in the face, whereas yeah. actually Admech's got a, like a, you can make an absolute brutal gun line. You can be in cover, more than twelve inches away, so you're getting minus one to hit and plus one to save, and just say coming at, come at me, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does anything. We we all know anything that moves a, a dice pip up or down by one is a huge difference. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no, and it fits perfectly with them. They're 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 the uh, naughty Forge world that plays with the Xenos people. So uh, I think the fact that they've got stealth technology of the of the town or some sort of shimmer thing going on, yeah, makes makes perfect sense for them to have that slightly weird addition. And actually, we kind of talked about this when we were doing the Grey Knights, didn't we? About yeah, you're seeing a lot of these Imperium factions dabbling with the uh with the enemy let's say with the xenos uh and not telling each other they're doing it for for, for fear of being you know excommunicated but actually they're all kind of doing it <laughs> yeah 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 and I, and I think you know when everything's hit the fan everybody kind of goes well actually we'll just bend this rule a little bit there was a phrase yeah you mentioned last week which is uh the fact that um when you've got a forge world that's um been corrupted they're not heretics they are called heretics yeah that's cool that's sweet i like this i I can feel a heretic army coming along (laughs) (laughs) 
to join your Alpha Legion. <laughs> to join everything. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, do you want to go through the uh, the last one? Agrippina? Agrippina? Yep, I'm glad you tried over that. Uh, they are staunch defenders. Battle hardened by constant clashes with the horrors that issue out of the Eye of Terror. Those from the Forge World Agrippina have learned the lessons of defensive warfare well. When firing an Overwatch, units with this dogma hit on a roll of a 5 plus instead of only 6, irrespective of modifiers. You know, they're them with a with a gun line saying, Come on then, you really gonna you really gotta think about it carefully. And and also for me, that then uh, maybe means we don't need so many flamers or are flamers that important to, you know, for that sort of thing. So again it changed how you build things and how you can use them and yeah i like it i i'm not i'm not convinced by this one because 40k is is very much a shooting game sure there are combat units in it but i think if you compare it to um you know stigis 8 you're getting minus one to hit against everything that's 12 inches away in the shooting phase whereas this is just you might hit ever so slightly more than you would do normally on the select group of units that are going to charge you but you still got to roll to wound, and they still get their armor save. So it sounds cool, but I, it's it's not for me personally. I think I think there's better ones in there. Yeah, I, I, I would always start with you know what's my background, what's my forge world, how am I bringing it to life? Uh, if I end up with a, I mean, I think I luckily got one with the solar blessing, whereby knocking a pip off the armor panel, ignoring minus one, it, it is good because that is everything. But is my build actually more of combat? Does that really make such a difference? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But what they do is they they definitely colour these different forge woods in different ways and gives them a different feel. So, you know, we already know that they fight amongst themselves over precious assets and precious materials. So you could still have two two armies that on the table appear to be the same models, but they will actually fight differently using the, the dogmas. And uh, interestingly, they've only got Mars, Lucius, Gry, Agrippina, Stygis 8, and Metallica and Riser in there. And they don't have Triplex, Val, Voss, Prime, Deimos, and Griffin 4. So, or, or obviously any of the other fast uh, forge rolls that exist out there. So I guess if your if your forge roll isn't listed in this list, you can probably just pick. A bit like if you had a, a Space Marine chapter with, uh, with an unknown successor. Yeah, and I think you're based on your background and your build for it then i'd be very happy to play in that way you know i think it's again it's just bringing it to life you know what what would do that based on how you've you've pulled it all together so um, and that can work in the same way if it's match play where we all agree you can have whatever you want or or however we want to play it then i think it's it's um they're all just little devices to to buff and, and and also you've just got to see your own play style as well i mean some people you know don't want to get up and close and personal. They want to do the the counter attack, the gun line with the counter attack um, sort of format. So I think you know these allow that easily. Yeah, definitely. So I guess onto stratagems then. Yes, there's a few really really good ones in here. A few a few misses, but uh, there's a, definitely a few really really good ones. One of the ones that springs immediately to mind is the elimination volley. So for two command points. You can use this stratagem in your shooting phase if a, in brackets, Forge World Catafron Destroyer unit from your army is within six inches of a Forge World Castellan Robot unit from your army. You can add one to the hit rolls for both units. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's pretty cool because 
it's two command points for both units. You know, obviously, if you're dropping two command points on something you want it to be worthwhile, you can get pretty big units of Catastrophic Destroyers or, uh, of course, your uh, Castle of Robots. We all love a robot. We all love, love a robot. Love a good robot. Yeah, these these are these are pretty uh, pretty impressive uh, stats on on the weapons that these guys have. So, you know, you're adding one to hit. That means the more more of your shots going through, obviously, and then it's just a lot of damage output. Uh, was there any 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 that sprung to mind for you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, before we get to the kind of four specific ones, um, I'm thinking about my um, infiltrators. For one command point, we can get Protector, Doctrina, Imperative. So using this um, before a Skitari unit of your army attacks in the shooting phase, add one to the hit rolls you make for that unit in this phase. So again, you know, we're about to go in, we've got our shooting phase, and we've got our uh, flechette blaster with five attacks um, hitting on twos instead of threes is is good you know it's just that volley of fire again it's just whittling them down getting this few down so that actually when you get your charge and you get into combat there's just one or two models not fighting back at you but not uh, only that your taser goads are popping on a five so every time you roll a five to hit he does three hits rather than one uh, this is the shooting uh that's correct you are absolutely right <laughs> <laughs> I was desperately looking for a fight phase. Well, I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm obviously looking at the one command point conqueror doctrine imperative, which is uh, use a stratagem before a Skitari unit from your army fights. Add one to hit rolls you make for the unit this phase. If the unit has an enhanced data tether or a broad spectrum data tether, which which the uh, Sicarians don't have, you can add two to the hit rolls instead. So there we go. Yes, you can you can activate your shooty one in the shooty phase, and then you fight yeah. one in the fight phase. Yeah, I mean, uh, at one command point, the right unit at the right time, that's that's going to be going to be really good, really good. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, you've still got a wound, you've, they've still got a fair saves and all those kind of things. But I think, uh, I think they're they're that's what I like to go for for stratagem. Sometimes it's just that little boost to break the line or smash that all important unit or just do enough to clear people off the objective that one command point is sometimes all you need isn't it yeah definitely i think i can imagine imagine the admeg army burning through command points quite quickly with all these uh stratagems yeah but i suppose I, the same I the same could be said for, uh, for most armies so what really jumped out for me was there's a few of them in here which uh, i think some of the ones you've listed um i'd want to hit or you know do do d3 wounds to a vehicle i think another one is and these these can be useful at the right time. Spend your stratagem, do this one thing. Um, but I think command points are that important that you really need them to be a, a bit of a bigger force multiplier. Um, so one of the ones that stands out for me is binary override. Um, uh, you basically, you can use this stratagem at the end of any phase to change the battle protocols of one of your units of um, Castellan robots. Now, what this basically means, your bat- battle protocols, you, um, when you set the unit up, you, uh, you choose which protocol is in effect, and then you can attempt to change it, uh, at the start of each movement phase. So on a two plus, you can do a different thing. Now, the fact that you can change this at the end of, um, let me just double check, can be changed at the end of any phase. 
So you can use this in your opponent's turn, is that right? Use this stratagem at the end of any phase to change the battle protocol. So you can you can set this so your your robots are getting plus one armor and invulnerable saving throws. Um to plus one to armor and invulnerable saving throws, sorry. But then you can use your command points at the right time to put your stratagem in um to make them fight twice in the combat phase instead of once. Um, and it's each combat phase. So your opponent could commit to um, thinking that they've got extra armor on. They're going to have to um, put a load of bodies in to, to do the damage. And then all of a sudden you can switch that out and attack twice instead because you've you, it's more beneficial. Or the other way around, you could have you could have attacked twice on them and your opponent charges thinking that they're exposed and all of a sudden you can switch that to plus one armor um and that can really rather than just killing a few extra guys i can massively swing a combat um and the other one is protector protocol um cannot move or charge but it can shoot twice in each of your shooting phases so you could actually move or charge and then use your protocol to swap into the sh- into the, as you finish the, and go into the shooting phase, you can um, swap that protocol and then shoot twice as well. So there's some really good options with that thing, and it, um, I don't know, it doesn't it it can do quite a bit if you build for it. You know, if you know you're going to be going for this, and um, it's something you're going to be using. Big units of robots, multiple robots on the table gives you a lot of options of where to use them as well. Yeah, those castling robots, that protector protocol, I think is so, so cool. Your heavy phosphor blasters are suddenly heavy six. You've got, say, three robots, two or three robots in a... Uh, oh, in fact, you can't have three because you have to add them in twos. Two, two or four robots, or even six, in a squad, firing six shots each. Yeah, sure. And especially after they've moved, so something might think that's safe from having that much firepower into it. And then you move and then pop your stratagem to be allowed to fire as well. So you get a line of sight to something you might oh, yeah, not have exactly. had before. You could, you could move round from a you know line of sight blocking terrain, or you could you've only got thirty six inch range, there's something you move an eight, there's something eight inches away. Uh, or sorry, there's something uh forty four inches away or something like that, and you can just move eight, then tap your protective protocol on with this, uh, without having to worry about uh on a two up. And in fact the two-up has to happen at the starting movement phase, doesn't it? Yeah, so that's this, it. That's what the, I mean. You can do so this at the end of your movement phase. You're doing this out of sequence. And even in your opponent's turn. So you could go, right, in my turn, I'm going to shoot twice. Um, and then at the end of the shooting twice, I'm going to use my override to um, then be able to charge still. So your opponent might have put you in a position where you've got the choice of either making a charge or making a shot or double shot. But actually, you can do both. Or even yeah. you've well, you could you could double shot and then switch to the conqueror protocol at the end of uh, the shooting phase and then charge in. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then because and and the other way is you can you can have done your double shot and then get charged, and then in end of any of their phases, you can just say right, well, I'm changing to conqueror, um, and I'm going to fight twice. Yeah, that's true. Although once you've done this, uh, the unit battle protocols cannot be changed again for any reason. That's the only that's the only uh, concern you've got there. Yeah, so you're looking at using it into a position where it's game changing and oh, yeah. it's not yeah, yeah. or where you you're swapping the robots for another unit, you know, you're sacrificing them to do a ton of damage 
it's um, quite chess like, isn't it? You know, yeah. this is this is moving moving a queen into a position in the board to to sacrifice her to to go in for the checkmate, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Do do you think these stratagems are like you said, Ben? You know, your command points are valuable. Are, are the stratagems kind of encouraging bigger units because you want to get best value out of your command point? I think so, especially yeah. with things like is it all high leadership servitors are six. Robots are ten, destroyers are seven. So yeah, you've still got you're running the risk, aren't you? If you um, if you're running big units, it's not it's not just a high um, a high leadership army throughout, is it? No, no, not at all. So Steve, uh, what do you think of the uh, the Lucius specific strategy, which is the the Legio Teleportarium? In a way, I sort of think of it the other way around. For me, part that story is the fact that they're going to come up from under the ground in a way that they're coming up from, um, you know, underneath the planet's surface to appear and, you know, fight the, the nids there. But they would have used all sorts of technologies to do this kind of um, surprise attack. You know, this is what they're about. So, yeah, I, I think for me, it makes them, you know, more than just the infiltrators have this ability. So as long as they're a, a Lucius unit, so that means, you know, forward to a, Square brackets, Lucius. As long as that's where they're from, um, so suddenly you, you know, your infiltrators aren't just out there on their own. They can friends can turn up and arrive too. Um, um, so for one command point, and again, like we've just said, you know, if it's a bigger unit um, that you wouldn't normally expect to see, you know, in in the backfield, can 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 make all the difference. So use this strategy during deployment. You can set up a Lucius unit of your army in a teleport chamber instead of placing on the battlefield. At the end of any of your movement phases, this unit can teleport and set up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine units away from any, any enemy models. So, yeah, no, I think it suits them perfectly. And I think one command points uh, is good. You know, it means you, know, you don't have to have a super massive unit to make it worthwhile. You could, you know, do it twice. I one... think this combos really well with the um, Sicarians, actually, because... Um, your Sicarians are already able to set up, you know, in that infiltrating manner. Your yeah. um, uh, infiltrators can at least, but that you could you could then use this to spend on some Rust Stalkers, so you can get your Rust Stalkers in as well, because obviously they're a combat unit, and being able to set them up at the beginning of any movement phase, you, you don't need to do it on phase uh, turn one. You can do it at the right moment, turn two or three, and then you can suddenly get your combat unit only nine inches away from the enemy. Yeah, imagine both of those popping up on a flank somewhere you know infiltrators have come in with their own steam but we then use the teleport area to bring in the stalkers and you've got shooting and fighting right on your doorstep it's, it's exactly you've got to deal with them i suppose the downside of this is you're using that command point during deployment yeah so you, as in you start the game with less yeah so your opponent already knows it's been spent and what it's been spent on so that factor of being able to pop any of these things at any time has kind of gone away a bit. Yeah, I guess so. But I think um, well, the advantage of this is that command points can only be spent one per turn. Oh, sorry, wrong, one per phase. But deployment isn't a phase. So you could theoretically pick this two or three times and move. And you this this changes the dynamic of what you're using command, command points for. So you could spend this three times theoretically. And then infiltrate three units. Yeah, mm, it's nice. Depends what your mission you're playing. You know that will that will make a big difference, or 
what the narrative game is you're, you're deciding to do. So I think that will colour which ones you go for. And yeah, okay, I think you know, maybe there are others for your specific stratagems that you, know, you might like to use, but think if it's all bringing flavor that you expect from the background from that forge world then that's good it's gonna it's gonna help shape my play um and, and bring them to life in the same way it does so yeah i like him i like him i think the uh the stygies eight ones very very similar um but with a crucial difference um so you do it during deployment it costs one command point and you but you can set up a uh, stygies eight unit in ambush instead of placing on the battlefield um, but this this one, at the beginning of the first battle round, but before the first turn begins, you then reveal the unit and you set it anywhere you know outside of nine. Um, but the key point here is this is before the first turn begins, so you could theoretically be seized. The initiative could be seized. I think the Lucius one is better because you can do it at the end of any movement phase automatically. You, know, you don't have to roll for anything and you can choose whether that's the first turn or the second uh, turn however if it's already on the board at the start of your movement phase you can then move so the stygis 8 one is is different enough because you can set it up nine inches away but then you can move so your uh your sicarian frost stalkers who were moving eight i think they were weren't they Ooh. suddenly they're uh a one inch charge away yes Ooh. which is very very cool yes so that, that's the subtleties i often miss and yeah that would be that'd be pretty brutal wouldn't it if a unit of you know 10 rust stalkers cruise in yeah and you you activate your conqueror doctrine imperative to get your plus one to wound the other player knows that's happening oh yeah yeah so sure. so suddenly they start ringing the wagons and well you could you could do it either way you could do it the first drop you could just have a really really strong unit and just do right first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to activate clandestine infiltration to see whether it throws your opponent off yeah. see whether it causes them to deploy differently or you just hold them back until late wait until they deploy their units and then say and now i'm doing it and wait yeah. until they already deployed one of their crucial units yeah but this fits perfectly you know we, we know this forge world is using eldar or tau stealth technology so when you come to fight them you know they're not going to be in a line somewhere they're going to be flickering in and out they're going to be hard to shoot because you can't get a, a targeter on them so yeah yeah that's a good one that's a good one and the subtle difference is really powerful what about the plaza specialist riser add one to the wound rolls for all the units plaza weapons and increase the damage of plaza weapons by one <laughs> that's pretty brutal <laughs> Oof. yeah imagine that on your um uh Catron destroyers plasma culverins so supercharged, they are heavy D6, strength 8, equivalent equivalent to strength 9. Well, in fact, not equivalent to strength 9 because plus 1 to wound does not equate to plus 1 strength, obviously. Um, so strength 8, but adding 1 to wound. Uh, AP 3, but then damage 3. Oof. Definitely rolling 1 to hit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, maybe you need your uh, your tech, tech priest Dominus nearby to re-roll those ones. Definitely rolling a one again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely rolling three ones, re-rolling, then rolling three ones again. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. I like that sort of thing. But again, they're the sort of things that, um, you know, spending a command point to get a buff that could be wiped out by rolling a one and a one. Or it might not even be one, is it? Maybe a two, then a two will do it. Um, you know, or straight up two and then don't re-roll because you've got no re-roll twos. 
It's like, yeah, you know, I, I suppose so. But you know, if if everything was a sure bet, then it would be an obvious choice. And but some of them are. That's what I mean. Some of them are a sure bet. Some of those options you've got that we've been through, you don't have to spend it on a, a plus one. You can spend it on doing a thing that is, you know, if you've chose to do that at that time, it just works. Um, I think if you've got a unit of uh, Catron Destroyers who are all, you know, a unit of three of them that are all firing heavy D6, so you're thro- rolling three D6 shots, you're going to get some benefit. You're not, you're yeah, not yeah, you probably all, You're not going to roll all twos, are you? No, no, sure you're not, sure you're not, but... Um, I, see, I, see, I see what you mean. I'm all yeah. fully... These things of resource management, of you've only got so many of these things you can use, and you need to pick the right times to use them, adding in a random factor where it can... Another thing that can foil your plan always makes me weary. Yeah, that's true. I think you've got to be cautious, but I think an acceptance of risk is a, is key to success. Yeah, in the choosing game. the right time. If this can win you the game just by spending this point and doing this, great, go for it. Yeah, sometimes, think, sometimes you've just got to you've got to roll dice and hope it goes your way. Yeah, I think the battlefield positional ones and the um, making a, a unit change what it's doing entirely is better than just increasing the dice odds. I think generally, I might be wrong, but you know, from a lot of play, um, increasing a small odds on a couple of dice rolls doesn't normally impact winning the game as much as. Um, as you know, you can win games with terrible bad dice if you've made the right choices for the right matchups and the right combats and the right shooting target priorities and things like that. So, having something that affects those sort of things, I think, is, um, in my opinion, anyway, um, I think it's a bigger, a bigger deal than just playing the odds game. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think um, I think you'd probably like fresh converse then, which is the uh, the. <laughs> Agrippina strategy. Yep. So do you want to roll us through that one? Yeah, sure. So basically, um, it's one to three command points. You use it at the end of your movement phase. You pick one of your units, um, and there's a list of certain ones it can be, most of the army. Um, it, and then um, depending on what you pick and how many points you spend, you can do different things. You can cho- choose a unit with a power rated of five or less. You can spend um, one. If you spend two, you can choose a, a harder unit up to three. You can spend an even harder unit, hard on power rating, of course. Um, and then you cannot pick anything with a power rating of 20 or more. You can then remove the chosen unit from the battlefield and set it up again um, as if you would arriving as a reinforcement. Set the unit up in your deployment zone within six of the edge of the battlefield and more than nine inch um, from enemy models. Uh, so basically, you you pick a unit up, move it around the table, and yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm talking about. That is a um, that's a big deal. That is in some instances, in, I think. Yeah, uh, and and especially because I mean, this is this is targeted at your servitors, uh, which I'm not sure whether that's the you you really target. This is your your cash from destroyers or your breaches at its full starting strength. Though that's the critical thing. Is not only is it moving things around, which as you mentioned earlier is very, very uh, powerful, yes, so but that it also so it yeah, regenerates back to its original strength. Oh, so you breaches. If you've got you've got a unit of three destroyers, that's ten command points. So that's going to cost you. Sorry, ten power rating, and um, that's going to cost you two command points. Um, so you could have taken eight wounds on them. One guy left on one wound, and you just pop this and flip them across the board. 
back to full strength or not even move them in some instances. You might already have them in the, in the right spot and you can put them back in that same spot if it's, you know, depending where you are on the table. Um, and yeah, full, fully refurbed, <laughs> ready to roll like off the production line. Yeah, I think that's pretty powerful. But again, it, you know, we should point out that these are, you know, these are the Forge World specific ones. So not everyone's going to have access to these. Like Ben said earlier, these help you define how you build your army. So if you're going to go for, a, you know, an Agrippina army, you might want to include a, a couple more units of Catafron destroyers than you might, you know, have originally thought just to take best, uh, you know, best effect of this, this strategy. Because it's all well and good having one unit of this, but if the enemy wipes them out in one go without leaving one conveniently on one or two wounds, then it's wasted, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I think the joy of this is that you don't have to pick the stratagems you're taking to the game. They're all available. So Yeah, I like I mean, that too. The fact that it's not like, oh, I've got a, I'm only allowed to take five or three, depending on size of the game. It's like they're all there. So actually what I've got to do is I've got to keep all of those in mind because actually repositioning will win me this game. Or actually I will, I, naf- I have to hold on to that objective. So then I would do acquisition at any cost, which gives me plus one armor save and plus one attack characteristic as long as I'm within three inches and objective. So that's super um, conditions have to be right to make that useful. But you would always kick yourself that that last wound, you lost the objective. You went, oh, I could have used acquisition at any cost. And that's what it's there for, just for picking out the right moment. And that, you know, as we all know, it's the players, the, the good players at, at these games that have all of those tools kind of locked away in their brain and they can go, right, I'm not going to use it yet. I, I know it's there and I can just pull it out and go, ta-da. And that's when you go, no, shouting at the ceiling. But it's cool. That's what the game's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, these faction-specific ones are, are, are slightly different to the, the generic ones in that, you know, these faction-specific ones might help you define your army yeah. uh, at the build stage. Whereas the generic ones help you get the most from whatever units you have chosen, but don't necessarily influence them. I, th- I think, you know, we're looking at these stratagems as they are now. You know, there's also that blend of mission stratagems and campaign stratagems that come in as well. So, again, we've got other options that suddenly make, I think, for me, the more I play the game, the more I see how command points are that extra level extra little nuance that little trick to get at the right time and i think the blend of them coming in with missions and coming in you know and and making them up for your own missions. you know if you get near enough to the the reactor core you can play a command point to ignite it and win the game you know well it means you've got to hang on to a command point until you get there there's so many options with this and you know, it, like they said, it adds a level of strategy to the game. So I like it. So um, we'll we'll just rattle through the other the next few. Grier have got one which I don't see being hugely useful. I don't know. Depends on which army you're placing, uh, which army you're facing. Uh, you can use this strategy when an enemy psychic manifests psychic power within 24 inches of one of your infantry units. Uh, roll d6 on a four up. It's resisted and the effects are negated. I guess this is probably in the. Uh, the Ben book of rubbish because it's a 50-50 <laughs> chance. So first of all, you've got to be... your This psychic power needs to be within 24 inches of one of your infantry units. You've then got to roll a 50-50 chance. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure 
not sure. I mean, great, you might stop a game-winning psychic power, but then you might flip a coin and not stop it. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, it manifests a psychic power. So, you know, it's only one. It's not all the psychic powers for that turn or something, is it? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. Mars Mars has got a good one, um, as always. I think I think if you if you go with <laughs> if you go with the poster boys uh for any army, then you're gonna be you know, treated well. But Mars got a two command point stratagem where um any attacks in your shooting phase generate a mortal wound on top of normal damage when you roll six or mortal wounds, which again that's that's pretty cool. Uh, Metallica have got a um uh, sort of a morale phase manipulating one. Pick one of your Metallica units. All enemy units within six of that unit must subtract one from your leadership characteristic from their leadership characteristic until the end of the phase. Uh, great, but what if they, you know, if they pass their leadership test comfortably, then you know, minusing one's not necessarily going to um, have any impact. Well, obviously, if they fail it, then that's one extra guy disappearing. That's brilliant for multi wound models, but. Yeah, uh, it's it's cool, but it's not necessarily a, a game winning. Um, and that's it. And then there's two uh, specific ones that help benefit your your Imperial Knights or your um, Questor Mechanicus Knights, rather. Uh, so the first one, Knight of the Cog, one command point. That allows you to um, allow your Questor Mechanicus Knights to benefit um, from the Canticles of the Omnissiah, which is brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Um just just one of them though. Um not all of them. And rotate iron shields, which is a, a throwback to um to previous editions where you had to pick the facing of your iron shields and your knights. One command point you can plus one to invulnerable saves uh for that unit until the end of the phase. So that's quite useful. Yeah. Yeah, because you need those those beasties to stay alive. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's the difference between uh staying staying on the uh top tier of your damage chart that, and going into the bottom tier or you know the difference between your knight dying then so be it yeah but knights are just for taking for fun games right dan yeah yeah that's what that's what gary and i agree from uh from the triumvirate podcast he's, he's a big he's a big fan of knights yeah yeah stomp 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 and then of course uh penultimately we've got the warlord traits and it's quite cool because there's a a D6 chart for your generic admech stuff, but there's also seven specific ones to so the seven main Forge worlds that have been given their their um, sort of extra detail. So that's Mars, Grya, Metallica, Lucius, Agrippina, Stygis, and Riser. Uh, so Ben, do you want to just talk to us about the uh, the generic chart first? Yeah, sure. You passed me off the list that has all the weird names in it, um, and you're going to let me try and say them, aren't you? Great. Well, okay. We, we want you to <laughs> want you to, uh, to say it in your dulcet Derby tones. <laughs> so we'll go for um so basically it's uh, pretty much like all the other things like this are you can choose or you can um, randomly generate um but pros and cons to both really you know if you're building a list and you've got a fluff background story behind it you want to choose the one that best suits or you can um you know go be a roller and uh, just play with what turns up but so we'll start from the top monitor mal malivus mal mali <laughs> Yeah, failed at the first hurdle, Dan. How do you like that? Um, So once per battle, you can re-roll single hit roll, wound roll, or damage roll made for your Warlord. Um, It's quite nice. Um, In addition, if your army's battle-forged and your Warlord's on the battlefield, roll a d6. Each time your opponent um, uses a stratagem, and on a six, 
you gain a command point. So that's quite nice. Um, not sure how um, often it'll turn up, but it's quite a nice one to have. Um, number two, um, Majos Biologis. Um, you can reroll failed wounds when attacking enemy infantry, beasts, or monsters with your warlord. Um, Mecha Dominator. Um, your opponent must subtract one from hit rolls they make against any of your vehicle for any vehicles that target your warlord. That's that's got to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. I imagine I think combining so. that with the um, uh, the Stygis Dogma, where you're minus one, twelve inches away. So that's minus two. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty good. Um, obviously, matchup dependent. So if you know you your mates bringing all the tanks. You could pop this out just to screw with his plans. Um, necro mechanic. Uh, sorry, that's also a reason you might not want to randomly generate because if you end up with that in a game where you don't face any vehicles, it's not that good. Um, number four, necro mechanic. Each time your warlord uses an ability to repair a friendly model, that model regains one additional wound. So that that's really powerful. Um, you can't, am I right in thinking you don't give these two special characters, do you? So um, that call wouldn't have this. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you can't um, you can't double up on that one. Okay, no problem. Um, Chorister. Because uh, Belisarius Call uh, is the only special character, and he always has the the Mars one. Yeah, sure. Arm code one. Yeah. Um, Chorister Technis. Wow, I'm really struggling on these, aren't I? Um, Whilst your warlord is on the battlefield, you can re-roll the dice whenever you randomly select one of the canticles. Um, okay, that's what, what I like is there's quite a few ways to mess with these, isn't there? As we've gone through the book, there's quite a few different ways you can play with that um, canticle of the Omnisar roll. Um, also, if your warlord has the glory to the Omnisar dogma, you can, um, you can only re-roll the first dice, not both. So, uh, yeah, it's another way to sort of manipulate those abilities and roles. Uh, and then Prime Hermeticon. So going back up one, um, as you said earlier, Dan, you can choose them early on and then roll them later to try and get the duplicates. Um, so this is uh, re-rolling when you're trying to get those duplicates, which is quite cool. Um, and then Prime Hermeticon... Um, friendly um, four-drawed infantry uh, units within six of the warlord can re-roll failed hit rolls in the fight phase. Um, and as we've talked about, there's some some nice combat units in here already, and uh, added some extra re-roll hits is always good. And that's the lot. Last the uh, one last point on that is I'm not sure how often you want your admech warlord to be within six <laughs> inches of things that are fine. Unless, obviously, if it's supporting in the back line, you're, you're taking the hit, and that's yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean... I can't, I can't really imagine you're going to be taking the fight to the enemy with your Warlord a huge amount of the time, but it's great. It's great as a defensive mechanism. But there is there's some there's some ways in there where you can teleport them around, though, isn't there? So you can leave them at the back, move them across the board with a, um, a command point into the combat position, into nearer combat position, where you've got units charged in, in or even already engaged, if you really want to do that, obviously. Yeah. Steve, do you want to um, do you want to run us through the four drilled specific ones? Yeah, sure. So we start with Mars. We have the static SARM code. Uh, what that does is that adds three-inch range to any aura abilities on your warlord's data sheet. 
um, such as the Lord of the Machine Cult. So that's, like you mentioned, Dan, the one that uh, Belisarius has to have. Um, but yeah, uh, anything that uh, allows you to tag in more with those abilities is always good. Oh, that's brilliant. So uh, B calls Lord of Mars, uh, which is you can reroll any hit rolls of shooting phase for friendly Mars units within six, is suddenly within nine. You're tagging in more, more trouble, yeah. aren't you? And he's yeah. got a big base, so you can just stick him sideways and get even more. Uh, the next one is a Guaria, which is emotionless clarity. Models, uh, friendly units within six of your warlord can shoot with assault and rapid fire weapons, even if there are enemies within one inch of their own unit, but only if they target the closest enemy unit. In such circumstances, the model can shoot even if another friendly units are within one inch of the same enemy unit. So explain that one to me, Dan. Uh, basically, you can't shoot from combat into combat. Um, so it, this overrides two rules. So you can, first of all, you can shoot when you're yeah. in combat yeah. at, at the, uh, the unit you're in combat with, um, but also it overrides the fact that you can't shoot enemies that are locked in combat with your own units so yes uh, i i if there are two of your units in combat with the one unit that you're in combat with and you're shooting with assault and rapid fire weapons instead of pistols exactly yes right okay gotcha so this is basically like unloading unloading rapid fire weapons into the faces of your enemies whilst you're in combat with them which is fairly good yeah yeah and if you can punch as well then that's gonna start making your morale phase a bit sketchy isn't it yeah, exactly. Uh, then we go over to Metallica, and they have ordered efficiency. Uh, friendly Metallica units within six of your Warlord. When it falls back, it can still shoot during its turn, but must res- subtract one from the unit's hit rolls in the shooting phase. A, sh- a shooting retreat, a fighting retreat. On to your favourite, the Lucius. Yes. Masterwork Bionics. And again, just sits perfectly with the story. Um, they can make the very best armor that there is out there perfect in crafting using their special materials so they are allowed to add one to invulnerable save throws made for your warlord so it's maybe not as cause but it does mean your warlord will stay around a bit longer yeah I suppose your tech priest Dominus has got a 5 up refractor field and vulnerable save that goes to a 4 up interestingly um, (laughs) masterwork bionics as a warlord trait adds one to your saving throws uh, invulnerable throws but masterwork bionics as an ability on your tech priest Dominus is you can reroll d3 lost wounds so same name for different rules which is a bit confusing Oh, yeah, unusual, because they would usually be clearly different. But, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'm, I'm, so uh, I think I think it's, it, it, it continues the story. So uh, Next up, we have uh, Agrippina, which has got reinforced exoskeleton. All damage inflicted by your warlord is reduced by one to a minimum of one. Pretty yeah, handy. That- that's quite cool again. So Lucius and Agrippina have both got a kind of resilience mechanism in place. Yeah. Um, so Stygis 8 has the trait of uh, Xenite Studies. Add one to any wound rolls made for your warlord against units that do not have Chaos Imperium or Unaligned Faction keywords. 
so basically xenos we we know how you're made we know how we can um, unmake you yeah <laughs> exactly exactly yeah that's quite cool I like that one and we wrap up with riser which is first hand field testing uh, when setting up your warlord choose one of their weapons uh, this cannot be a arcana mechanicum uh, but increase the strength and damage characteristics of that weapon by one. So is is that really polishing something that you're not really going to get into combat? Um, or is it? Uh, I don't know. I think Riser Riser is very combat focused as a Forge world. Uh, I guess you could tag your Omnisign axe to make it uh, melee uh, strength plus one, AP two, damage three. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Or. Or you could go for, uh, oh, it doesn't have to be a melee weapon. It could be anything. So I suppose your micro stubber, pistol five, Volcanite blaster, heavy three. Yeah. No, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure that's brilliant. Probably the Omnisarax is really, isn't it? Always a- a- Anything that says damage three is, is a win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Talking of damage three, we'll, we'll flick briefly over to the Arcana Mechanicum which is um, a whole host of fancy relics and artifacts. Um, a lot of these are uh, replace an existing, you know, model with power fist only. The uncreated gauntlet replaces the power fist and has the following profile, and it just it becomes a better version of that thing that you replaced. Uh, you've got the red axe, which is Mars only. Uh, so each forge rod has its own uh, specific one, uh, which is cool. Um, but we won't we won't go into all of these because there's quite a lot, and uh, we are already well over an hour. So, um, but because I am speaking and it is uh, about Stiggies, I'm going to read one just for all you Stiggies <laughs> fan. Stiggies eight, uh, roll a dice at the end of each fight phase for each enemy unit that's within one inch of the bearer of the Omnisar's hand on a four up suffers a mortal wound. So I quite like that. Because um, it's a four up rather than on a six, as we've seen other things before. But yes, so that's uh, that's just one of those. Um, any final points, gentlemen? No, I, I think for me, what really come away with is probably more than m- many of the others that we've we've got here. You know, one set of data sheets that actually, by the time you blend in your warlord traits, you add in. The stratagems you get to use because you've p- you've picked a forge world, they're going to play very differently. And I think you know, for me, that means you can customize them beyond just being this, you know, robots, cyborgs, and vehicles. So I, 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 yeah, I like them. I think I think for me, they 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 have that sort of sense of mystery and weirdness that the the models kind of instill. And what about yourself, Ben? Are you any closer to? Uh adding this to the list of projects for Afterblown Glory? Yeah, I, I think I like them. Um, I'm pretty sure Mark Wildman started doing them as well, actually. You know, He's been painting some, so it's a, it's a nice force. I think Special Snowflake Army is certainly something it's got some leanings towards. Um, and the robots are just so cool. Um, it, I think it'll make a really nice-looking army. Small model count as well, for people who are not interested in um, painting massive hordes. Um, so yeah, it's got a lot going for it. I'm, I'm really impressed. 
Excellent. Yeah, and myself, uh, I'm just looking forward to when they bring out the uh, the rules for Mechanicum stuff. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right, so there we have it. Uh, AdMech review complete. Uh, join us next time for episode 10, where Steve and I will be uh, releasing our, our final thoughts on the Chaos Space Marines Codex, so part two of that review. Get in touch with our Twitter on the usual usual means which is at aoti40k you can also get us on facebook and instagram with that tag uh, let us know which you'd rather hear uh, whether you'd like to hear death guard or astro meditarum uh, you can get myself on twitter at dangermouse 425 you can get ben at bad dice underscore podcast and you can get steve at tin racer steve on twitter uh, send us an email at, uh, in fact, it's not at, it's uh, ashesoftheimperium at gmail.com. Get in touch via any of those means. Uh, let us know what you think of the, the review, if there's something you'd like to see us do differently, or indeed if you'd like to see us cover a topic in a future episode. All that remains is for me to wish you happy hobbying and see you next time. Bye, guys. Cheers, guys. See you next time. The universe is not like a puzzle box that you can take apart and put back together and so solve its secrets. It is a shifting, uncertain thing, which changes as you consider it, which is changed by the very act of observation. A powerful man is not a man who dissects the universe like a puzzle box, examining it piece by piece and measuring each with scientific precision. A powerful man has only to look upon the universe to change it.